don't have enough time to sit down and read all the best Bitcoin articles? Well, let us read them for you. This is a Crypto Economy Quick Read. All right, crew, welcome back to the Crypto Economy Podcast. We are continuing with part two of Laurent MT's article series on Bitcoin's proof of work today. So if you have not listened to part one, uh, I encourage you to go back and check out yesterday's episode. That's Quick Read 151. And um, this is a four-part series. Uh, and this one does have some uh, a couple of math equations as well. And I was listening to yesterday's episode, and I kind of got annoyed by my own trying to read uh, the math equation. So I'm going to try to be less specific this time. I still want to kind of explain what's going on. But I'm going to be really, really general about it because uh, I even think I made a mistake in one of the ones that I was reading yesterday when I was listening back to it. There was a multiplier in there that was just supposed to be whatever, regardless. Um, uh, I think today I'm just going to read kind of the general idea of the equations that he lays out um, far more broadly rather than trying to specifically read out the summation and variables and stuff. So hopefully it will be a little bit more clear today. Um, and uh, well, without further ado, let's just go ahead and jump in and I will follow it up with some commentary. Today we are reading Laurent MT's The Yin and Yang of Bitcoin. Quote, Countless words count less than the silent balance between yin and yang. End quote. Lao Tzu. Holding and Mining, the Two Dragons of Bitcoin In the second part of this series, we're going to define a new metrics called the price-performance ratio of Bitcoin's proof-of-work. Our goal will be to analyze the evolution of the actual efficiency of the system and to identify the factors driving its dynamics. After having defined this new metric, we will first witness its surprising correlation with the Bitcoin's market price. Going a bit further in our analysis, we'll study the role played by holding and mining. We'll then focus on a strange pattern displayed by the metrics, resistance levels, before concluding with an observation about the existence of PPR cycles. Prologue. Price-Performance Ratio. Of a product. The price performance ratio, or PPR, is a metric used in economics and defined as the ratio of the price of a product to its performance, expressed in any unit making sense for expressing this performance. The PPR is often used to illustrate the difference between, quote, classic and, quote, new technology products. Indeed, it can often be observed that classic products display a constant or increasing PPR, while each new iteration of new technology products comes with a lower PPR. This phenomenon can be explained by the fact that production of, quote, new technologies usually begins at an inefficient level, but each iteration benefits from works and investments done for previous versions, research and development, etc., it's this cumulative effect which allows to decrease the PPR. Moore's Law is a famous example of this phenomenon. 
when I was a kid, i.e. before I learned that Moore's Law was a thing, the Cray One was in my imagination a kind of mythical beast which would forever remain out of my reach. The first commercial of the Cray 1A was sold in 1977 for the equivalent of $37 million in today's value. Guess what? This beast was less powerful than your smartphone. Price-Performance Ratio of Bitcoin's Proof-of-Work Okay, so let's define our new metric. For this, we're going to consider the UTXO set after each new block as the iteration of a product. Its performance will be measured by the total number of Bitcoins day secured it has accumulated. At last, we'll approximate the price of this, quote, product by the reward associated to the block. The equation for price-performance ratio is... Begin equation. We essentially have the reward for the block divided by the Bitcoin days secured uh, by the block at that point. So anything after is increasing, any blocks that happen after is increasing the Bitcoin days secured. So a block further back in history um, will have a higher price performance ratio than the current block. End equation. Which can be rewritten as, which is equivalent to, Begin equation. Okay, so with all the um, pieces of this expanded out, what we essentially have is we're comparing the day hash, um, the, the number of hashes in just the most recent block and the reward in the most recent block. So the amount of um, Bitcoin being created here um, on a daily basis, so you multiply it by 144, and then dividing it by the entire amount of the UTXO set plus the number or amount of hashes that the UTXO set is protected by. So um, it's important to understand what will fluctuate this is that a UTXO set that is shallow in the blockchain, where most Bitcoin or a lot of Bitcoin have been moved recently, would give a different denominator than Bitcoin that has been sitting there for a very, very long period of time and therefore has accumulated a lot of hashes behind it. Um, so that's, that's the important thing to remember going forward as we uh, turn this into a chart. End equation. That gives us the following chart. Begin chart. So now we just have a price-performance ratio of Bitcoin's proof-of-work um, using this uh, equation, obviously, and it's actually very similar to the, um, the overall trend of our unit cost uh, charts that um, you can find in part one and that we described of how it just gets more efficient over time and it includes those gaps at the, um, the gaps of higher efficiency as the reward is cut in half. So at 210,000 blocks and 420,000 blocks. But what's interesting is that you see a lot of some peaks and troughs in fluctuation along the way and he's going to go into exactly why we see that and what it means. End chart. The chart displays a decreasing trend, in other words, an improving price performance ratio, which is consistent with what we might expect from a system having a cumulative effect. And once again, 
the metrics suggest that the efficiency of the system has improved over time. That being said, this curve is far less smooth than those obtained for our two previous metrics. It seems that the journey has been a bit rock and roll. Let's try to understand what is happening here. Singularities. Let's begin with an easy task and try to identify the causes of a few singularities observed on the chart. Begin chart. With the gradual and incredibly stable um, introduction of new coins in the year 2009, uh, as uh, the network becomes far more efficient, um, it's during no activity, so you don't have much data to go by, which is why it's so consistent. There's no actual transactions happening on the chain. Therefore, the um, collective hashes of the UTXO are perfectly in line with the difficulty of the network or the number of uh, computers um, joining the network. Then we have July 11th, 2010, where Bitcoin version 0 0.3 is released. Uh, and mentioned on Slashdot, which brought a large influx of new users, and it saw a, a steep increase in the inefficiency, the uh, or a worse ratio, um, with a sudden spike due to the fact that Bitcoin that had been stationary before were suddenly fresh and having to build up their hashes of protection, their days secured again. Then we have November 28th of 2012, a gap, where we saw our first halvening, and then again in July 9th, 2016, we saw another gap down to higher efficiency due to the second halving. End chart. Bulls and bears. All right, now let's focus on the multiple oscillations of the curve and let's add the dates associated to a few top and bottom values. Begin chart. So for price performance ratio here, we're noting the troughs and peaks. We've got a peak around June 24th of 2011, then we've got a trough in July 1st around in 2012, uh, a subsequent small incline to October 6, 2012, where we have another peak, then the step down from the block happening, and in January 31st, 2013, we have a trough. Then we have another peak, November 7th, 2013, another trough all the way around to October 28th of 2015, and then another uh, gradual increase to March 3rd, 2016, then they step down into the new halvening, and another trough on November 22nd, 2016, and a steady growth where we have another peak at February 8th. 2018. End chart. If you follow, even negligently, the multiple movements of the Bitcoin's market price, these dates may remind you of something. Begin chart. And here he has the market price overlaid with the price performance ratio, and it's important to keep in mind that the price performance ratio only takes into account the block reward, the UTXO set, and the hashes. It does not take market price or dollar value into account at all. It's just the um, current hash rate protecting Bitcoin versus the current reward and hashes of the most recent block um, and then translated to days. So that 
price performance ratio is not a market price and yet we see very similar or very um, blatant correlations between the peaks and troughs of the market price with peaks and troughs in the uh, price performance ratio taking in just the UTXO age and the hashes protecting it. So that will lead us into the next section where he will talk about why that is the case. End chart. The chart suggests an interrelation between the PPR and the market price. At first this might seem surprising since the market price isn't a factor used in the definition of the PPR, but it certainly makes more sense if we remind ourselves of multiple observations made in the past about the Bitcoin's market price driving changes in holding and mining behaviors to components of the PPR. Let's try to confirm this intuition with a deeper analysis of the relation existing between holding, mining, and the price performance ratio. Yen, holding. A few months ago, Unchained Capital published an excellent work about a phenomenon called the hodl waves. The main finding of this study was a repeated pattern of increasing holding after each rally in Bitcoin's price. Considering that holding is an integral part of the price performance ratio, a convergence with the hodl waves model doesn't seem absurd. Let's check this hypothesis by plotting the dates associated to the three hodl waves. Begin chart. And we have the price performance ratio chart again. Uh, showing that the beginning and ends of the HODL waves, the end of the Genesis HODL and the beginning of the HODL of 2011, uh, coincides with a major spike in um, price performance ratio or the, the inefficiency. And then lastly, we have it line up yet again at the end of the great HODL towards the end of 2017. End chart. The intuition seems good. We can already associate three tops with the hodl waves. Moreover, the chart suggests that the first phase of a new hodl wave, i.e. a period of increasing holding, is correlated with an improvement of the price performance ratio. It's then followed by a degradation of the price performance ratio, which is correlated to the new rally in Bitcoin's price concluding the hodl wave. Okay. Let's try to get a better picture of the influence of holding by determining its lower and upper bounds. In other words, when holding is maximized and minimized. For this, we're going to use a thought experiment and imagine two hypothetical versions of Bitcoin. Upper bound, Bitcoin steroids. In the parallel universe of Bitcoin steroid, Users seem gripped with a spending frenzy, and they can't help but spend their coins as soon as they receive them. A UTXO never accumulates more hashes than the ones added by the block, including the transaction creating the UTXO, notwithstanding that freshly created coins must wait for a 100 block period before becoming spendable. The price performance ratio for Bitcoin steroid can be defined by the following equation. For the sake of simplicity, we omit the constraint over the maturity of Coinbase transactions. Begin equation. Here we just note that we do not have to include any of the hashes because uh, no hashes are, are accumulated. So after it's simplified down, we simply have the current block reward um, multiplied by 144 for days and then divided by 
the uh, cumulative reward up to that block. End equation. Lower bound. Bitcoin Arctic. In the parallel universe of Bitcoin Arctic, store of value is all the rage. Basically, all users are miners trying to create new Bitcoins that they'll never transfer. Their goal is just to transfer their wealth into this digital store of value and keep it there forever. Thus, the price-performance ratio for Bitcoin Arctic can be defined by the following equation, which can be written as... Begin equation. And here we simply add the hashes back in without any worrying about the... Um, uh, current UTXO set and its depth in the uh, blockchain like we would with the Bitcoin day secured. Uh, here we can just take the hashes as a cumulative measurement just like the block reward as a cumulative measurement. So rather than just the current block reward on top, we have the current block reward multiplied by the current hash of the block. And then on the uh, bottom or the denominator, we have the uh, current... Um, cumulative reward for the entire blockchain and the current cumulative hashes of the entire blockchain. And of course, uh, multiply by 144 to turn it into a daily measurement. End equation. Now let's plot our chart of the price performance ratio with the two bounds defined by Bitcoin Arctic and Bitcoin Steroid. Begin chart. Here the chart is actually explained in the writing, but just so you know, um, it is an overlay of the upper bound and lower bound uh, of the theoretical price-performance ratios in our two scenarios, Arctic and Steroid, um, overlaid with the actual price-performance ratio calculated earlier. So it's the same chart um, with those included, and then he goes into explaining what exactly we're seeing. End chart. There are several observations to be made here. First, it appears that since its inception, Bitcoin has operated in a mode very close to the lower bound defined by Bitcoin Arctic, and their oscillations are quite similar. On its side, the upper bound defined by Bitcoin Steroid has a very different profile. Oscillations have disappeared. All we have is a smooth, monotonically decreasing curve. This observation makes sense considering that in Bitcoin Steroid, UTXOs don't accumulate hashes for longer than a single block. Here the main drivers are the increasing number of coins and the decreasing rewards. But there's an expensive price to pay for this regularity. The price performance ratio of Bitcoin Steroid is several orders of magnitude higher than the price performance ratio of Bitcoin or Bitcoin Arctic. As a first conclusion, we can state that holding has played an active role in the evolution of the efficiency of the system during the past nine years. Yang, or mining. Let's now focus on the influence of mining. For this, we're going to need to plot a chart displaying the PPR and the expected number of hashes associated to the proof of works of past blocks. Begin chart. So on top of our price performance ratio chart, we now have the peaks and troughs in an oscillating pattern, um, a, a cycle that we have going on around the first and second halvings. 
we have a trough peak trough peak represented as a b c d and then we have that same pattern again around the second halving as a prime b prime c prime d prime so um, if I'm if I say something like uh, C know that it's the trough the second trough of the first pattern and C prime would be the second trough of the uh, pattern around the second happening End chart The chart displays a series of cyclic patterns composed of four phases The period a to B and a prime to B prime are both a few months before a happening and hash rate growth and the price performance ratio start to increase then we have b to c and b prime to c prime also around the happening and this represents hash rate growth and price performance ratio decrease then we have c to d and c prime to d prime where the market price starts to increase the hash rate is growing and price performance ratio is increasing again and then d to a and d prime to whenever a prime if it comes back a bubble pops the hash rate growth and price performance ratio decrease again until a new cycle begins once again these observations aren't really surprising they're consistent with past observations made about the dynamics of bitcoin's hash rate the anticipation of halvings bull markets etc technical analysis quote while looking at the price performance ratio chart you may have noticed something else which seems a bit weird begin chart and here we have a chart of the price performance ratio in which he has resistance levels grayed into um, the actual PPR chart end chart yep that's it some bottoms seem to act as a resistance for the top coming later this observation puzzled me for a while to better understand what is happening here let's play with a simplified model simulating the system first we're going to remove the halvings and difficulty adjustments then we're going to state that each block is rewarded by a single coin and that the first mined blocks require a single hash every end blocks we're going to simulate an increased market price instantaneously driving up the hash rate by a given factor 2x or 3x for our simulation that gives us the following result begin chart here we just have the simulated price performance ratio with all the weird fluctuations removed um, so we compare the uh, no holding the steroids example where nobody holds any coins for any length of time uh, with we compared that its monotonic decrease with the uh, far more efficient where it's full holding and what we see is that only in the full holding scenario does the increase in hash rate cause a fluctuation in the price performance ratio so because hashes aren't accumulated with the no holding scenario we don't see it represented on the price performance ratio chart End chart as you can see this very simplified model is enough to reproduce the main characteristics of the PPR observed in the wild it confirms that the occurrence of oscillations is correlated with a holding behavior and it also suggests that resistance levels are influenced by the multiplying factor the lower the factor the more the previous bottom quote 
acts as a resistance. Let's break some assumptions. There's a last observation to be made about this phenomenon. You may have noticed that this resistance effect doesn't seem to apply to all tops. Indeed, according to our previous observation, we might expect that blocks around C to find a resistance at the level of B instead of A. The interesting part of this observation is that A marks the beginning of a very unique period in the history of Bitcoin. For the first time, the hash rate strongly decreased and remained at this low level for an extended period which ended around B. It seems that what we've witnessed here is the rare occurrence of a period breaking one of our assumptions. Assumption 5. The average amount of computing power dedicated to Bitcoin mining monotonically increases. At this point, one of my hypotheses is that these top and bottom values might be associated to an equilibrium existing between hash rate, holding behavior, mining rewards, and market price. Anyway, the subject remains to be investigated further. The PPR cycles. The last observation that we can infer from all the previous points is that the price performance ratio follows a series of cycles which can be associated to Bitcoin's market cycles, anticipation of a halvening or bull and bear cycle. For each cycle, it can be observed that after a temporary period of degraded efficiency, the system has become more efficient. Specifically, each price performance ratio cycle is composed of two phases. Phase 1. The market price increases. Holding decreases. Hash rate growth increases. Thus, the price performance ratio increases. The system becomes temporarily less efficient. And Phase 2. The market price decreases, or the bubble pops. Holding increases and the hash rate growth decreases, equaling a price performance ratio decreases to a new low or becomes more efficient. At last, it's worth noting that the price performance ratio cycles are slightly more fine-grained than the hodl waves. My hypothesis is that it can be explained by the fact that price performance ratio cycles associated to Bitcoin halvings primarily result from the influence of mining, a factor excluded from the scope of the Holdel Waves model. Conclusion We have defined a new metric taking into account the effects of mining and holding over the actual efficiency of Bitcoin's proof-of-work. Once again, the metrics suggest that the system has become more efficient over time, but the most interesting insights gathered from this metric are certainly related to the analysis of its multiple oscillations. To my surprise, it remarkably synthesizes multiple past observations made about the interrelation between the market price and holding and mining behaviors. It also highlights the influence of the market price over the efficiency of the system through its influence over holding and mining. At last, we have witnessed the existence of price performance ratio cycles associated to market cycles, the anticipation of halvings and bull and bear cycles. And we have observed that under our assumptions, the price performance ratio value at the top of each cycle seems to reach a resistance around the initial PPR value of the previous cycle. 
All right, and he has acknowledgments again, thanking Beatcoin, PRP, and Stefan for their uh, feedback, um, Samurai Wallet, and TWD for the feedback and support of OXT.me, and uh, thanking the team at Unchained Capital um, for the uh, work on Hodel Waves. And I'm not 100% sure if I have read Hodel Waves. Um, I think it was so graphic heavy that I decided not to read it on the podcast. I'll go back and see if I if I did. Maybe I did talk about this one. I'll check. I, I may. I know I've read this one. I'm just not 100% certain if I've read it on the podcast. So we'll see. Uh, we'll go back and um, I will link to this in the uh, notes if I did, in fact, go over this one. But again, we have Lauren MT is doing the, the serious work of giving us a real equation to work from here for a price performance uh, ratio. And I thought that was interesting that because of the uh, cumulative hashes of the UTXO, the fact that you see this wealth effect when the price increases in Bitcoin and people will spend Bitcoin that has been holding for a long time. Um, I find it fascinating that we we can see something directly represented in the market price, except that we see it in the cumulative hashes and the uh, underscored or the the defined uh, efficiency of the Bitcoin system. And it's also funny because it suggests, and I agree with his thinking on this, that it means the more people are holding, the more efficient the Bitcoin system is because the amount of Bitcoin in the UTXO set, the amount of Bitcoin that exists within the system is vastly more secure because it has an intense layer of um, hashes basically protecting it from uh, corruption or um, uh, double spending, essentially. Uh, so it's a this a really really interesting metric that I think uh, this entire series just really puts into perspective the the utility of Bitcoin I think that is something that's really hard to define and not many people have made uh, the best attempts at doing so and I thought this was a really good series specifically for doing that and I think he does an excellent job at laying out what a you know, secure UTXO versus a weak UTXO, a UTXO that has a value to um, or amount to the number of hashes protecting it, uh, ratio as efficiency and a unit cost. Um, having all of this, I think, is going to be a big deal. It's kind of like the Lightning Network reference rate. Um, when you talk about a set or provable amount of return one can make for locking up funds with Lightning, I think this will begin to set standards for how we measure like the, these these equations and types of analysis could easily become the um, stock to flow ratios, the price per earnings ratio of stocks and stuff like that. I think this this would begin to give us metrics to look at for a system that really has no standardized way, we don't even know how to value this thing. That's a huge part of the problem. And if we don't have real data to work off of, it's it's, it's hard to articul- articulate what's going on. Like what value is Bitcoin providing? And I think it's fascinating to say that, you know, the longer it's been since you transacted in Bitcoin, the more secure that Bitcoin is. 
and the more efficient the system becomes because the uh, value is locked deeper in the blockchain and therefore much more highly protected uh, in, a, in the ratio to its actual value. Um, but anyway, I've, this is just a wonderful series and I've really loved diving into this. I hope this is coming across in audio. I know a lot of it is really technical and I'm having to explain a lot of graphics. So I definitely, definitely encourage you to go check out the article, look at the graphics that I'm talking about. Um, if you have time to sit down, you know, like I know a lot of people listen to this on commutes and stuff. So um, if you have a chance to just kind of go look at what I'm talking about, like kind of keep the the picture that you had in your head if there was one um, and go compare it to the charts that we actually see um, in the article. And of course, drop some serious applause on this. Laurent MT is doing the uh, doing Satoshi's real hard work here in defining standards of measurement and uh, uh, defining utility of these systems that I think is really, really fascinating and very subtle but highly needed. It's one of those things that completely scoots under the radar, but it's not for years that we realize exactly how important it is to the, to the discussion to have a standardized means of measuring the protection, the utility, the value that's being created within the ecosystem that is a whole hell of a lot better uh, metric than just, you know, market cap or current speculative price that fluctuates 20% on the week. So um, uh, do not forget to applaud this article and follow Laurent MT to check out all the stuff that uh, he does writing about Bitcoin and crypto and, uh, of course, following him on Twitter as well. That's Laurent, L-A-U-R-E-N-T-M-T. I will link and tag him in the post uh, just so you can get straight to his Twitter page or, of course, you'll see it in the tweet um, from my page. Uh, and my handle, if you are not following me on Twitter, you should be doing so. Follow me on Twitter and Mastodon. That's at uh, the cryptoconomy, uh, both uh, places as well as on Medium. And, of course, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so you don't miss all the awesome stuff and the best content in the Bitcoin and crypto space. I read it all, pick through, and find the best stuff, and then read it to you so that you don't have to. Um, or if you don't have the time. I know nobody has the time to read like this. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to sort through. <laughs> so, uh, And if you would like to support the show and you appreciate and find value in what I'm doing, uh, if you really are enjoying this, Leave me some feedback, um, share uh, the podcast with your friends and the other people in the crypto space, and uh, or of course, donate to my Bitcoin address, which I will always have available. Um, that is a huge, huge help. Thank you so much for everybody who has contributed um, in any way. Um, and uh, uh, also, if you're getting your Trezor hardware wallet, don't forget to use my Bitcoin affiliate or my Trezor affiliate link. It will send me a couple of bucks and it won't cost you a dime. Uh, and if you are planning on getting the Trezor later, be sure to save it in your bookmarks as my affiliate link so you always support the Crypto Economy podcast when you buy your Trezor Bitcoin wallet. All right, guys, we will close this one here. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you all back here with another episode tomorrow on the Crypto Economy podcast. Take it easy, guys. <laughs>